The first spring practice is in the books. Time to talk about it. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns. The first spring practice is in the book, so we are going to react and update to the first spring practice. We will have a reaction video to each spring practice leading up to the orange and white game on april 15th in the first segment we're going through each position group on the offense the second segment we're going through each position group on the defense all of that and more on today's episode of locked on longhorns part of the locked on podcast network your team every day also for some reason the last two episodes my mic was plugged in but it was not set to my mic so i've just been out here raw dogging the podcast accidentally the mic is back plugged in it's back set to the mic and so we're back to that studio quality sound that you deserve on Locked On Longhorns. We're going to start with the offensive side of the ball, position by position, and of course, we're going to start with the quarterback room, the most important position on the football field. And coming into spring practices, we said that the most intriguing battle in this room would not be for quarterback one. Instead, it would be for quarterback two between Arch Manning and Malik Murphy. But after the first practice, Arch Manning has a clear leg up as quarterback two because Malik Murphy did not participate. Steve Sarkeesian said, that Malik Murphy is still dealing with some complications from his ankle injury he suffered in the state championship game in high school. Now, this game took place in December 2021 or January 2022, so it's been a while, and Malik Murphy has dealt with injuries really his whole time at the 40 acres, so I'm hoping he shakes back quick. I'm hoping that quarterback two is a competition throughout the remainder of the spring, but we know availability is the best ability. Right now, Arch is available. Malik Murphy is not. Let's start with the top of the food chain in the quarterback room. Quinn Ewers, and he was described as having an easy and effortless delivery in the first practice, the same delivery we saw jump off the screen at times in the Alabama and Oklahoma games, the same delivery that made him one of the highest graded recruits ever coming out of South Lake Carroll. What I love about Quinn Ewers coming into the season and everybody around him, Steve Sarkeesian has said it, is that he's come in with a different maturity, right? And he's come in with a different development, not just as a football player, but as a leader of this football team with Bijan and Roshan gone this is his football team now right and the success of this football team will largely depend on the success of Quinn Ewers this year and I think last year at times he tried to just be more of a lead by example guy I think he understands the urgency of this Texas football team this year and I think he understands the urgency he has to have as a leader and he's shown that from a vocal perspective not just to the entire team but he was also described as being a leader within the quarterback room, which I think is a really important, especially when you have somebody like Arch Manning behind you to be able to kind of block out everything that's going around when everybody's trying to make it a quarterback competition and you still, you know, take that opportunity to teach Arch Manning and take him under your wing. I think that says a lot about Quinn Ewers and his development. And what's interesting is Steve Sarkeesian said that the narrative has kind of changed around Quinn Ewers since he cut his hair, right? He was always serious about football. He was always serious about being a leader and he was always serious about winning and representing this Texas football program the white, the right way. Right. But as soon as he cuts that dirty ass bullet, now everybody's like, Oh, he's serious. He's going to bounce back. He looks different. Right. <laughs> Representation is based on your presentation, right? He's presented different. Now he's represented different. 
Arch Manning was described as looking mechanical and fluid. And he's a Manning, right? That's his superpower. We knew he was going to come in looking like Carson Wentz <laughs> or anything like that. But it was interesting in the Texas football video, they posted the hype video. We do see a play where Arch Manning is drifting to his left, throwing the ball off script. So I think if he can come in with that combination of clean footwork in the pocket, clean mechanics, and also show the ability to make plays off script, now you're looking at a Trevor Lawrence type, Joe Burrow type ceiling for Arch Manning. And he looked bigger than I thought. You know, people were saying he might be bigger than 6'4. He looks huge, right? Already as a true freshman. And as Steve Sarkeesian said, with any true freshman on this team, there's going to be some growing planes, right? He had some really good plays in the first practice. He had some plays that he would like back that all comes with development overall. From all sources, it seems like Arch Manning had a very productive first spring practice. And then Charles Wright, a fan favorite, he was quarterback three in the rotation with no Malik Murphy. In the running back room, it's interesting because Jonathan Brooks and Keelan Robinson, your two most experienced running backs on the team, are not participating in spring practices right now. And typically we've seen with the rotations in the Steve Sarkeesian era, at least early on in spring practice, that experience matters. So Jaden Blue got first team reps and Cedric Baxter got second team reps. And Jaden Blue was described as looking as explosive. Somebody I've said who probably has the most home run potential of any running back on this football team in terms of a play-to-play basis. And then they say Cedric Baxter looks the part already. I would imagine if he already weighs what B. John Robinson just weighed in at the combine as a true freshman and not too far off from Roshan Johnson. And plus he knows he's going to have a big role this year. Everything I've heard is that he's coming to the season with that type of urgency. He expects to have a big role this year and he's doing everything on and off the field to make sure he's ready for that opportunity. But like I said, when Jonathan Brooks and Keelan Robinson come back two players that have proved it on the field for the Longhorns, it'll be interesting to see if they slide into that number one and number two rotation. If that moves Jaden blue and Cedric Baxter down to three and four, and then how that rotation shifts throughout spring practices. When you talk about the wide receiver room, Jordan Winnington and Xavier Worthy were described as being the first two at practice period. I think that's huge for two veteran leaders on this football team and then two of the biggest playmakers on this football team. When we looked at the rotations in each wide receiver group, we expect to see some more three wide receiver sets on the field this year, even some more four wide receiver sets, just spread offense period at the boundary wide receiver position we saw Casey Kane ahead of A.D. Mitchell. Now, I talked to somebody who talked to a few players on the team after the first spring practice. They said A.D. Mitchell looks like the best player on the field. Casey Kane has the experience edge in this offense right now over A.D. Mitchell. I would expect, if not by the end of spring practices, definitely by the Rice game, A.D. Mitchell to be a starter in that position. When Isaiah Nayor is cleared for football activities, where does he slide into that three-man rotation? But I like that two to three deep that you have at the boundary wide receiver position. At the slot wide receiver position, Jordan Whittington, number one, DeAndre Moore was second in your two deep. It'll be interesting to see when Ryan Niblett gets on campus, when Brennan Thompson is done running track, how they slide into that. I think they'll both be in that slot wide receiver room, but I'm very comfortable once again, with the two deep of Jordan Whittington and DeAndre Moore. And then at the field wide receiver position, you have Xavier Worthy, which we found out yesterday on a larger scale. I'd already kind of heard rumblings about it, that he had broken his hand last year. Probably a big reason why he did not have the same type of year he had as his freshman year, more of a kind of let down, disappointing year last year. I would expect him to have a bounce back year and be one of the best wide receivers in college football this season, especially if he was dealing with a broken hand last year and then Jonte Cook right behind him was described as a natural pass catcher I love Jonte Cook being in the too deep at that position I think he's going to have a big year this year and he's just one of the most elite 
route runners. I think he was the best route runner coming out of this recruiting class. And he might be the best route runner on this football team already, even though I think Xavier Worthy is an underrated route runner. But I expect him to have a big role this year as well, because when you can come out of high school without route running ability, just the ability to get open and create separation, you can play at any level with any quarterback in any system, right? He's just quarterback friendly. I think he'll be getting open a lot for Quinn Ewers this year. And then when you talk about some notable one-on-ones that happened yesterday, right, between wide receivers and DBs, this is not all of them. These are just some of the ones that I picked out. A.D. Mitchell got past Gavin Holmes really for a big game, right? He kind of smoked him, had at least five yards of separation for a touchdown. But then Gavin Holmes came back and won a rep, which is really important for Gavin Holmes because he was described as being like 165, 170, going against a big body receiver like Gavin Holmes. Xavier Worthy beat Ryan Watts, who is described as looking like the man at the quarterback position right now. Xavier Worthy, like I said, underrated route runner, was able to beat Ryan Watts underneath but did have a drop. That's going to be something we're all going to be watching this year. Is he going to be more focused in catching the ball, right? Broken hand or not. (laughs) DeAndre Moore and Jordan Whittington, we talked about them being the two deep at the wide receiver position right now. They both were able to beat Keaton Crawford in a rip. Jordan Whittington beat him underneath. DeAndre Moore beat him on a seam route down the field, but the ball was overthrown. Uh, One of the more interesting battles in spring practices, Xavier Worthy and Jade Barron. We know they're best friends off the field, so that competition is going to be intense on the field. You're also probably talking about, you know, probably the best wide receiver on the team and one of the best corners on the team. So it's going to be a fun matchup, period. Xavier Worthy got the best of Jade Barron in that one. And then another one where they're probably best friends off the field. They've been going against each other really since they were growing up in the Dallas area. Malik Muhammad got the best of Jonte Cook in their one-on-one reps. Like I said, not all of the one-on-ones, but just some of the more intriguing ones that I decided to mention on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. There were some other ones. I think JT Sanders beat Jaron Thompson on a rep. Uh, Jaden Alexis beat Ryan Watts on a whip, even though he was all over him. So, you know, just a good amount of one-on-ones on the first day of spring practices. At the tight end position, JT Sanders and Gunnar Helm, I expect that to hold all the way into the season. Juan Davis does have the athletic profile to make it interesting, but with JT Sanders and Gunnar Helm's experience, and like I said, Gunnar Helm can be a playmaker. He's just been underutilized. I expect that to be the two deep all the way until the season starts. Offensive line is interesting, especially with Cole Hudson not participating in spring practices right now. He's probably going to miss the entire spring. Your first team offensive line was Kelvin Banks at left tackle, the Hayden Connor at left guard, Jake Majors at center, DJ Campbell at right guard, and then Christian Jones at right tackle. It'll be interesting to see how much that changes if Malik, uh, not Malik, yeah, Malik Ogbo, if he can compete with DJ Gamble for that first team right guard position. If Cameron Williams can get that first team right tackle position, do you move Christian Jones to one of the guard positions? How does that affect Hayden Connor? How does that affect Cole Hudson? Is Jake Majors comfortable at center? Like I said, the only position that's solidified right now on that first team offensive line is left tackle. The second team offensive line, Peyton Kirkland was your starting left tackle, and they said that he was one of the players that definitely impressed in the first spring practice. I thought he was somebody that's going to have to play guard. That might eventually happen. It's only one spring practice, but it's very good sign to see him as the second team left tackle and having a good first day at practices. Andre Kojo was the third string left tackle. And then uh, Nito, I'm not going to say his last name. He was your backup left guard. Gorham Wilch at center, Malik Ogbo at backup right guard, and then Cameron Williams at backup right tackle. So it'd be interesting to see if Cameron Williams can crack that starting position at right tackle. What does that mean? For Christian Jones, Hayden Connor, DJ Campbell, 
and Cole Hudson. That's the offensive side of the ball. The updates, a quick word from our sponsors. We're going to get into the defensive side of the ball after the first spring practice. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet does not win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes made. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And if you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and the calories, then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. But they're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right real chocolate and they come in amazing flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros and what's even better is that they are healthy only 130 calories four grams of sugar but 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com but now you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club so head to the website today head to walmart head to sam's club wherever you need to go to get your built bars right now. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. When we talk about the defensive side of the ball, we've long said that we expect Justice Finkley and Baron Sorrell to at least come into spring practices as your starting edge players. I think Baron Sorrell is more comfortable in that position. Justice Finkley has the leg up, but very some, you know, some very young, talented, hungry players behind him. Uh, Ethan Burke and Jamon Tapp led the group behind Justice Finkley and Baron Sorrell, as well as some other players that sprinkled in that rotation as well. Sadir Mitchell was described by multiple sources as looking really good at 360, but still working his way into shape. He was behind Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, and Aaron Bryant at that position. But they're looking for Sadir Mitchell to come into next year as the lead dog in that rotation. Byron Murphy wasn't mentioned, but I'm assuming since he wasn't mentioned, that means he participated in that interior offensive line as well. Jare Bledsoe was working out on the inside interior defensive line in this spring practice. But at 266, he's looked at somebody who has the skill set and the size to be someone of a tweener, someone like Moro Ojimo last year, where we saw him playing on the inside and also playing him on the edge. People are saying, sources are saying they could see Jare Bledsoe in that role this year, just somebody that's going to be hard to keep off the field, whether it's on the interior defensive line or at the edge position. When we talk about linebacker, we know that Jalen Ford is locked in into that middle linebacker role, but you have a huge void in DeMarvin Overshone leaving to the NFL. Who is going to fill that role? And as I said earlier, Steve Sarkeesian has shown the tendency 
at least early in spring practices to go with experience. So right now in that demo role, David Bender is the number one option with Jet Bush and Mo Blackwell serving as backups. Now, Anthony Hill was described as looking like a grown man, right? He's already 6'3", 230 with a crazy athletic profile. And then Leona LaFowle was described as looking really good physically as well. I expect by the time the season starts that Anthony Hill will be in that role next to Demo. I mean, excuse me, Anthony Hill will be in that role next to Jalen Ford with Mo Blackwell kind of being your Sam linebacker, Anthony Hill being your weak side linebacker. But right now, David Bender, Jet Bush, and Mo Blackwell have the leg up on the talented freshman and Leona LaFowle and Anthony Hill. Like I said, I think by the time the season starts, Anthony Hill is your starting linebacker next to Jalen Ford. And then at the corner position at star, you had Jade Barron as your number one corner, Gavin Holmes and Austin Jordan working behind him. All of them were described as having really good spring practices, but Terrence Brooks and Ryan Watts, both really big corners, Ryan Watts, six, two, six, three, Terrence Brooks, six flat, both of them over 200 pounds, kind of described as your first one off the bus corners. Both of them have an NFL-type body-type build right now. I expect them to be your starting corners with Jade Barron in the slot in that star position, and I expect the cornerback room with Gavin Holmes, Austin Jordan, you know, Jalen Gilbo, who's dealing with an injury right now, Malik Muhammad, the talented true freshman, to really be one of the bright spots for this football team this year. They have crazy depth at that position. And then at safety, the number one rotation was Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson. I mentioned Keaton Crawford, uh, you know, having a little bit of a hard time at one-on-ones. But other than that, he was described as having a good practice. Jaron Thompson, not somebody that's going to wow you athletically, but just a fundamentally sound player, somebody who's been good for the Longhorns for a long time. I think he takes that next step into superstar status this year for the Longhorns. But he was described as having a good first practice. Larry Turner Gooden and Michael Taft came in as that second rotation. It's hard to kind of pencil in where Jalen Catalan was. Um, and he did have a green non-contact jersey tucked into his shorts. But all sources were saying he did participate on Saturday, uh, not on Saturday, on the first spring practice on Monday. So I do expect Jalen Catalan to be a starter by the time the season starts next to Jaron Thompson. But, you know, with him lacking the experience on this team, it seems as though he's working with the second or third group right now. But he's just too talented not to be a starter if he's completely healthy by the time that the Rice game comes around. So those are our updates on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. We will have the next spring practice updates following Wednesday spring practice on the Thursday episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hook them and peace.